Welcome to episode three of Coffee with Braz, brought to you by Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. Love the game. This week, we'll be speaking to Ebony O'Day. I want you to meet one of my coolest teammates. Now, one thing you might not know about her, she is a world champion. She is a unicyclist. She knows pie, which blows my mind. And there's just so much to know about her. So get ready and watch how cool this kid actually is. Ebs, welcome to Coffee with Braz. Hello, Brazzy. How are you going? Very good. I was even happier after I saw your adorable custom Brazzy mugs. <laughs> Thank you. I do love them. <laughs> but I have my own merchandise. Um, no, I'm going to take it back a bit. We'll just keep with the podcast. But first of all, what's your coffee order? Um, we've gone decaf latte. Is decaf that the regular? Yeah, it's very... It's decaf. If they don't have decaf, it's a hot chockey because I'm a child. Not a child, but you're definitely not a Melbourneite because when you're a Melbourneite, you have at least five different words in your coffee order. So just, you know, decaf, you know, that's pretty good. But why the decaf? Why not normal coffee? Oh, I think um, caffeine for me is probably more like speed for a normal human. So it's sort of caffeine, even caffeine in tea, and it's sort of oh, we're penging for hours and not sleeping until 3 a.m. So just get, start, get, like the shakes. get the jitters. So I had a coffee this morning and I'm still... Got shakes. So that was about five or six hours ago now. So I cannot wait for tonight's training. <laughs> the energy that you bring, if it's like any extra with a coffee, I'm giving you a coffee every game day. <laughs> the sounds of that. What about chocolate? Like obviously got coffee, caffeine in chocolate. Yeah. So chalky before like mid afternoon is good, but it's not a not a nighttime snack for me if I want to sleep. <laughs> oh, chocolate with a cup of tea at night for me is a must. So I'm sorry that you have to live like that. I can't. I just have to like sacrifice. Please don't do that. (laughs) Sometimes it's worth it. Chalky is pretty good. It is definitely pretty good. Anyway, I want to head right into it because it's one thing that excites me the most. I want to know so much about it. But unicycling. (laughs) I want to know how you started, why you started, where did it come from? Because I didn't even know it was a sport. You know, for me, a bike has two wheels. This unicycle has one. Where Where did this passion come from? I think... Similar to a lot of people that do it, it's because you saw someone else do it and you don't know it's a thing until you see it. Um, but I had a couple of lads um, in Barossa, which is where I was at school and they were at school and they come and did a, a demo at my primary school and they did tricks and I was like, I've never seen that before. I think I got one for my, my birthday or Christmas later that year, just uh, intending to learn to ride and then I learned to ride and then I wanted to learn tricks and I learned tricks and just kept going and became obsessed for quite a few years there. So... Just saw one person do it. Oh, that's cool. And then, yeah, went from there. So, obviously, you're watching them thinking, this is amazing. Yeah. Where's the next step? Is it talking to mum and dad, can I get it? How, how did they feel about it? Yeah, oh, they were always very on board with our little hobbies and stuff and anything to keep us outdoors and fit and having fun. So, I think um, you get cheap little ones online. And my first one was just a little circus one off eBay, I think, they're 50, 60 bucks. So it was sort of had it. And I think my brother had actually had one before me. So I'd seen him ride a little bit too. And then upgraded slowly through the years. I think I've had about five or maybe six of them now. So started, like started a, small. Like you talk about the, um, the easier ones being at like the um, mm. earlier price range. The yeah. better they get, is it, are they expensive? Yeah. So the one I... Towards like my last few years of actively riding, I was sponsored by a couple of different companies and there was one in Germany that got me my my current unicycle, which I think we'll see later, but that's um, cost price would be well over a grand. Some of those parts are pretty 
rare and like the last of the kind, but um, just trying to get parts that are light and strong is the, the combination you're looking for and they get pretty expensive pretty quick when you start yeah. wanting parts that can handle tricks. So Yeah, you, you talk about it being like, you said at the start about it being a, like a circus thing. You know, yeah. when, I, when I um heard you first talking about doing unicycling, that's immediately yeah. where I thought, like my mind went to, I'm thinking... All I could picture was you on a unicycle on a tightrope. I don't yeah. know where that came from, but last night I actually YouTubed you. Yeah. Bit of a stalker over here. Ebs, <laughs> massive fan. But if you, anyone who hasn't seen Ebs on a unicycle, please go do yourself a favour, jump on YouTube and write her name and unicycling. <laughs> it was actually mesmerising. Like, to yeah. see what you could do... It's not. It's nothing like the circus. Yeah. Like it's. It's. Yeah. I. I want to have a go. I know I'm going to be terrible, but <laughs> it was so amazing to watch. And the fact that, like, it just shows your personality. You don't give up because yeah. it showed you stack after stack after stack, trying to jump over seats, trying to do grinds down little things, yeah. and but you just didn't give up. And then you'd land one, and it was like I felt like I was there. I yeah. was so excited. <laughs> um, but please do yourself a favor and go have a look because it's amazing. But. How do you feel when you're in that moment and you're trying to do this new trick but you're not landing it? What goes through your mind? It's always going to be frustrating, but I think that's the fun of it is that the more you're struggling to get a new trick, you know that eventually when you do get it, it's going to be more exhilarating than if you could have just done it. So some tricks I'd have a new trick that I'd sort of think of in the morning and be like, oh, I should, I should try that, and I landed that down. It's like, oh, cool, I've got this new trick. But then there's other tricks where I'll try it for months. I even had a couple that tried for years and had thousands of attempts. And then when you finally do land it, it just like cloud nine for, for weeks. And you just keep thinking yeah. back and it's just that moment of... So it's sort of, there's a lot of, you spend 95% of your time going, oh, I didn't land it, didn't land it, didn't land it. But that couple of percent when you, you get it right is absolutely worth it. Yeah, just, just love it. Just, yeah, I still don't mind, mind the stacks either. It's a big stack. It's almost exciting and landing yeah. it sometimes. So. You know what? I reckon I was watching it and I'm like, that would look awesome in slow-mo. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's really cool. And have you had any injuries? Because the no, stacks not were... not really. You were pretty... The way you were able to still hold on to the unicycle and, like, hit the ground, I was... Yeah, yeah you get pretty good at falling. It's just like... You just got to accept that you're going to fall and then it's, yeah, tend to roll out pretty well. But that was a bit of a bonus coming into footy is, oh, I get to land on grass instead of concrete. It was yeah. a blessing. Nice. Like, <laughs> so. um, one thing that I did I did realise, and, like, I love skateboarding, so yeah. obviously you're not, your hands aren't ever really on the skateboard, but one thing I noticed that when you were doing your tricks, you were able to hold on to the seat and, like, launch yourself from that. Is yeah. that... Is that like when you are doing all your tricks, do you have to hold on to it? Yeah, basically. So there's actually a handle on your seat. Um, we'll get it out later and I'll, I'll show you it. But I've actually got quite small hands, so I had to grip it a bit differently to some people. But, yeah, that's sort of where all your tricks and all your power comes from. You've really got to pull up on the, the seat. So the seat is your seat and your handle that you use for yeah, most of your tricks there. Yeah, I love that. And now, you know, novice, you know... Oh, I can do this. Like, like for me, I pretend I can skate and surf, but I really can't. It's just me trying to be cool. This is something that you can do, and you're not just someone that yeah does it on the street. You're a world champion, world record holder for the longest jump and the highest jump. Uh, just highest the jump longest. In highest jump in Australia. I got a few for Australia, but um, the just the longest. Yeah, the world. platform jump. For, yeah, for the world one. And that, is that for males and females? No, nah, that's just just the girls. The yeah. men, some of them are just in a league of their own for that. Yeah. For that so one. How, how far is 
your longest jump? Uh, 2.5 metres. So there's two types of long jump, which is the first one's just on ground, which is normally that's dominated by riders with bigger wheels, bigger wheel, faster you can ride. The one I did is platform, so it's between a gap between two platforms. So you've got to clear the gap. Um, is so that that's like more two seats kind of thing? Like a... uh, it was actually two sets of pallets that yeah, you're okay. jumping between. So it's, I don't know, maybe less than half a metre high. So it's not right. a huge stack in between, but it's just a different type of jump to the rolling fast long jump and do you get the um like the runner to jump or you stand still uh yeah there's two ways you can do it so i think the reason my long jump that way was um there was a record jump is i did mine on the run and everyone else did their side jump because side hop when you go in between platforms you don't deck it as hard whereas the rolling hop i was I was on board with decking it, so I just went for are. that. And it, there were there are a few walk. stacks. There's a few uh, there's a few um, video clips of those stacks from the unsuccessful attempts at that that world record there as well. well it but, obviously paid off though. To get yeah, the yeah. So you get twelve attempts, so at different lengths. Um, so I think I landed about four attempts in total at different lengths, um, and had about eight eight stacks. Yeah. So is it like for the People that don't understand unicycle, is it like long jump, like what you'd see at the Olympics? Um, yeah, so that's the, the of the two styles. The other one is, that's more just on flat ground, um, yeah. no sand at the end, it's just lines on the, the ground. So it's like, um, kind of like they do that clay strip so they can see if you've hit it. Yeah. Um, but the, this one is obviously you either make it or you don't. You either fall in the gap or you make it onto the platform. So that's a bit easier to tell, a bit yeah. different to Olympic jump. Yeah, <laughs> okay, 100%. <laughs> Um, and, like, right now we know that your unicycle is in the boot of your car. Um, and the reason that is, is, and this is one reason I do love you, is that you're a rule follower and you don't want the coaches to say you're being pretty nervous to bring it in because is it is it in your contract that you can't do it? I don't know if it's explicitly written, but it is an extreme sport, which I think is explicitly written. <laughs> that yeah, that's yeah. definitely written in there. We, can, we can't we do can, that. So We can just tell them it's not an extreme sport. <laughs> and we would definitely... Technically, be... we're actually classed as pedestrians because it's not a free spin wheel. So I'll just say I was just being a pedestrian. I love character. it. I love that. I feel like we're going to break rules today and I feel like you're going to be having a fit just thinking about that. I'm so that. stressed. Um, I might get Steve to come out and have a watch as well. <laughs> I think he's, he might have seen me ride before. I reckon you'll love it and I reckon the girls will love it and the fact that you can do that just blows my mind. Um, moving on to a different topic, your family. So um, something I've just learned about you is that you're a twin. Mm-hmm. Is Are you and your twin um, similar? Does she ride in soccer? Um, she can actually ride, yeah. So all three of us kids can actually ride. My brother was first to learn. Um, he learned basic tricks as well and then just sort of fizzled it out taught my sister to ride as well so we're actually identical twins but she's like we're, we're mirror twins so she's left-handed I'm right-handed and she's very creative and she's a, a top pastry chef and is into her pottery and art whereas I was always math science sport so we're very different a but thing, um, like a mirror twin that's a real thing um yeah it is I don't know how much of the whole I don't know what's really true about the left brain, right brain, creative, yeah. maths and science and that, but, like, she's left-handed, I'm right-handed. Um, when we were little, if I lost um, one of my front left teeth, she'd lose her front right tooth at the same time. Like, within a week, we, I think we lost all of our teeth mirror within a week. So, yeah, yeah mirror mirror twins. Um, but we're as different as you can get for identical twins, I think. Yeah, so personality-wise. Yeah, yeah, but we get along close? well. Yeah, we are, yeah. And she's still in Adelaide? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So Adelaide's where you grew up. Um, yeah, Barossa near Barossa is where I grew up. Um, so it's about an hour or so out of been more than an hour out of Adelaide. Um, but we moved to the city sort of once we were eighteen. Started playing footy and George was working in the city. So yeah. yeah. Are your family into sport? Uh, no, it doesn't really run in the family. Um, not really at all. We played sort of junior sport when we were young, all of us kids, but it was, um, yeah, there's no history of elite sport in the family, that's for sure. So why footy? <laughs> oh, it's just so fun. I didn't really even follow footy when I was little, but I got out to my first training a few years ago and just fell in love with it. Like, it was just having a big team and that full contact sport was just a, a dream, so. You say full contact sport, I love but it. if I come up and give you a hug, you run away, <laughs> you run so fast, it's like you do not like contact at all. Oh, no, Rona's sport. been great. <laughs> no hugs, so. The only person in the world that loves coronavirus <laughs> she can't be touched. 1.5 metres definitely suits you, but I still try and come give you a hug whenever I can. Um, so you said you, you rock up you had your first session and you loved it because you know how we all love footy and being around a group but how did like what made you go to a tryout or go to um, a session where did that I was starting from? uni um and I sort of had this little like a scholarship type thing and it said all inclusive and I was like cool it must include sport so I looked at all the Adelaide Uni sports and then I, saw, I was looking at the list and there was women's footy. I was like, that's so cool. And then I found out it didn't include sport. So I had to pay for it anyway, but like, so worth it. It made me look at the sports and go, there's women's footy. That's not a thing in Barossa. It is now, but it wasn't at the time. And just sort of thought, I'll have a crack. And yeah, bloody loved it. Oh, so good. And um, you got drafted with the Giants. Yeah. You were there for a year and didn't play yeah. any games. Yeah. Pretty Was rough. that tough? Yeah, it was pretty rough to be sort of the only one on the list to not get games, especially end of the season was we, we knew we couldn't make finals and the last couple of games was the results didn't matter. And the coach had sort of said things that like it was not going to be who's going to win the games, he's going to give players games to players that sort of deserved it. Yeah. And to be the one person that just didn't couldn't crack in and never got a game was like real soul-crushing at the time. Yeah. But then just having the off-season just to work and work and work and couldn't play because I'd had to have like a little shoulder up in that off season but just to have that time to go no I, I freaking love footy yeah, like this is what I want to do and then to, ha to have had that let down to then get the next opportunity it just made it like mean so much more so it's worth it in that sense but it, yeah it was tough at the time to, yeah and to have like that. you know what that's what I think makes athletes like that's what makes the best athletes because there's not many athletes that have made it to the top without any mm. setbacks. Like, yeah. like you've got to find, yeah. like have those days where you're just like, this is a joke. Yeah. Like uh, what what else can I do? Yeah. Just so you appreciate it a bit more. And yeah. you can tell, Ebs, because when you're out on the field, you give everything. There's nothing you leave off yeah. the field. So, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so when you got told you were delisted, was that a shock or? Not really. Um, I'd had that sort of bit of time where it was like, look, if I'm the only player who's not been picked for a, for a game in the whole squad, I'm probably not going to be one of the players that's near the top of there yeah. wanting to keep list. Um, but yeah, to be told that like you're being delisted is pretty disheartening. Um, but it wasn't, originally it wasn't you're being delisted and we're not looking at you. But then once I found out that I wasn't going to get to play VFL or in that, that uh, winter season block, and then it was, okay, we're not we're not looking at you. I think that was when I was sort of most, okay, this is this could be over. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Yeah, so you put your name back into the draft? I did, yeah. Um, obviously I had to 
nominate to Melbourne, but I, I didn't think I was getting drafted. I'd, I'd actually nominated to, well, not, um, I'd been in contact with every club and I sent my stuff out and hardly heard anything back. Um, and then Steve got this gig and Steve had coached me in Adelaide. So I've, I've known Steve for about five years now, since I basically started playing footy. Um, and that they were interested, but I, I sort of hadn't heard anything for a little while. I was like, oh, I feel like maybe Steve would have told me more if, if they were really looking at me. So I'd almost planned life back in Adelaide, was trying to get my old job back, was figuring out where I was going to live. So on draft day, it was a very nervous day and like it was just, I didn't think it was going to happen. And then yeah. it did and it was just... So where were you draft day? Were you watching it? Yeah, I watched it just... Um, on telly at home by myself, I was just like, I didn't think I was going to get picked, so I just wanted to like, and just how me and my you? dog. Like, was it, like, were you nervous? Were you anxious? Were you all like scared? Like, well, yeah, I think it? scared probably like most accurate because I, I, I didn't think I was going to get picked. I was sort of, originally I was 50-50 thinking maybe I will, maybe I won't. And then as the draft went on and the picks were getting later, even though Collingwood's picks were really late, it just was going in my head like my name's not going to, not going to get read out. And the longer it went on, the more I was just, oh, this is yeah, not... Please, someone to say my name. Yeah, yeah, the, the longer and longer. But um, I was just there with my, my dog. So <laughs> it was just holiday. I remember when I did get read out, I just cried. I just, yeah. <laughs> I think um, I actually got a text about three seconds before because of the delay from Berg saying congrats on like being drafted and then I was watching the screen and then they said it and I just cried and called my mum so oh, <laughs> called my mum awesome. called my dad so yeah and you, so you called your mum and your dad have they been yeah. to any of the games yeah they came to my um first game so they also came up to Brisbane um to watch the the Brizzy game last year when they weren't allowed to actually come in the end so my dad's family's up there so they did still uh, get to do some good things on the trip but yeah they came to my, my first game which was really really cool to play against um Carlton and they were in the rooms and everything so that was awesome because they'd come the week before obviously didn't get picked for round one so I watched the game with them and yeah. then they, they came back the next weekend so yeah that was no, pretty cool um during COVID lockdown one a few of us were able to train together a couple of times and you were in one of the groups with mm. the Shani um Jamie Lambert Spesh um and I, I came to one of those sessions and you got to hold Louis the first time you ever held a baby um, <laughs> yeah, I, I could see you were very nervous um but it was really like I loved that time with you because we actually got to sit down and have a chat and get to know each other that bit more we've roomed with each other in um on our camp um and one thing that you said to me which made me feel really special to be a part um of this team and be a team member of yours that you've never felt like you've belonged in a team before like you have here. Mm. Can you explain that to me? Like I've had a great time with my previous footy teams. I've played um, local for Adelaide Uni and loved it and same with Norwood, loved it. At Giants, I just didn't really gel. Like I felt like even towards the end of the season, I could have left and I felt like there would have been people that like a lot of people wouldn't have even noticed. And I felt like here, even within the first season, before we even got to the games, I was just like, these are my, these are my people. I made friends. I was like, it was being invited to people's houses and things and were, I just felt like I was really part of it and it's just continued this this season it's just like yeah I feel so at home like and just can absolutely be me all the time it's fantastic so and that's like you, it can be you like that's what yeah. I love about you like, you are who you are and you own it and like that's yeah I, I, I hope Louis turns out to be like you he gets oh, who he cute. is and, and can be just so true to himself because to see how you are with the girls like you're, in my opinion, like you're the heart of this team because you drive that ev- everyone's accepted. And it's very rare to, to be in a team sport where 
like we're there's what, 30 of us we're all so different but when we're together we're one and I yeah. think you drive that so um, thank Frenzy. you for doing that like you're amazing you did mention that you had a dog who watched the draft <laughs> with you um Eggplant, also yeah. known as Eggy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did a little bit of a stalk on your Instagram. <laughs> now, if and if just looking at it, you could instantly tell you're a dog lover. Yeah. You're an AFLW player. And literally, that's all you gal. can tell. Yep. So, so, but the dog features heavily. Yeah. Um, how did you get Eggplant? Um, so there's Greyhound Rescue Program sort of in every state and there's GAP, the Greyhound Adoption Adoption Program. There is one in Victoria, but he's from South Australia because I got him before I moved a, a couple of years ago. Um, but I'd, I used to meter read, so just walk around all day, people's houses, properties and that sort of thing, and I'd meet lots of dogs and I'd always wanted to adopt a dog. And then I'd met greyhounds when I was out metering and just loved the, the personality of them. So it's like the perfect, I get to adopt and pick the breed and sort of know what the dog's going to be like. So got got him from Gap a couple of years ago and yeah, I just love him. I'll have, I'll have greyhounds for life because of him, he's like, he's my child. <laughs> so what's their personality? Because like really they're an athlete. They're yeah. <laughs> trained like us, if not hard. Yeah. Um, and I guess with us, we still have like that outside life you know I go home to my family you go home to Eggie um but for them it's like train 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 yeah like and that's what's spread into them how do they switch into like that into being a pet yeah it, it takes a while and I've had him for over two years now and I'd say for at least the first year and a half it felt like his personality was still coming out at first he was just like a little little shell like <laughs> there were so many things he hadn't seen before like couldn't really do stairs um any food that he saw, he didn't understand what wasn't his. So he'd try and steal food off my plate, not even realising that he wasn't supposed to. Like, he didn't even think he's being naughty. He was just like, oh, there's food, so I'll eat it, kind of. There were real basic pet things that they, they don't have. So it takes a long time to adjust them, especially he was already nearly five. Um, but when they do, their personality does come out. They're obviously all, all unique, but they're all generally quite placid and quite regal sort of there you can kind of tell just by looking at them that they're going to be like that but yeah. they actually sleep just about all day so of all dog breeds greyhounds sleep the oh, most so there's that <laughs> yeah they're just absolute he's an absolute dream dream dog but they're just so chill like so like the rehab though is up to you so yeah when you yeah. get them it's not like they've been rehabbed so he actually was so you can foster or adopt I put down for both but they they contact me and say we've got one ready to adopt he's already been fostered so he'd spent six weeks with a foster mum her name was Donna and she's absolutely lovely by the way um, and is that something she does permanently no so it's the first one she'd ever done um and I know she had a real soft spot for Eggie because uh then about a year or so later she went and adopted a greyhound instead of fostering which uh, his name's Arturo and he's very cute um is but, that their na- like their race name nah so they get changed yeah. but they don't know their race name so uh, that was another thing is they don't understand the concept of having a name yeah. they've never been called anything so it took him so long to figure out that there's this word that means him so that was another another little well, you pet say thing. that he's <laughs> like your child like literally that is like having a child yeah <laughs> you got to teach him the basics he was toilet trained though which is an absolute blessing yeah. <laughs> so and what about um like their mouth guard thing yeah because is in his mind if he sees like a little fluffy dog will he think that's a rabbit yeah so he's not not too bad but just um legally he's supposed to because he's uh, green collar which is like a temperament assessment thing is for South Australia so to not wear it he has to have a, a Vic one I normally just have it with me just 
in case there's other dogs. But his main thing is he doesn't like getting jumped on. But they've all got different sort of personalities where some of them really don't need to wear it, others do. But there's that little prey drive instinct of he, he might have been live tra- like trained with live bait or rabbits or something and he had a bunch of different owners. So you never really know. Um, but he's, yeah, he's lived with other dogs. We lived with my parents' dog. He's a little fluffy thing for a couple of months during COVID. And so he's pretty good but I just like to just have it like just in case one day's instinct does ever take because it doesn't happen till it happens so yeah there's all sorts of greyhound laws like he's never allowed off leash so <laughs> it's a bit bit different to a normal dog but worth so it. are you a dog lover or a absolutely greyhound? I'm a dog lover yeah. I'm just an animal lover in general I would say would you ever get a cat just, or it's just like no you're just dogs oh uh, I'm just dogs I don't like dislike cats but like I just Love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Um, going back to footy, when you were told you were playing your first game, um, really, in the AFLW, which was lucky enough to be in the black and white, yeah. um, how did that make you feel? Again, like draft day, I cried. <laughs> Common theme here. I just yeah. get so excited and just so happy. Um, and but, Steve was the one to tell you? Yeah, so it was... Someone that coached you back in Adelaide. Yeah, so he's coached me all the way through. Like, he taught me to kick, basically. So um, that was a pretty pretty special moment. It was just a phone call on a Thursday, but I was so used to my Thursday phone calls being, look, you've just missed out, or yeah. your emergency, or your second emergency, or... So then when it was a phone call telling me, it was just made it such a surprise, and then I thought getting the phone call must mean, oh, it's still not this week, but... It was so. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. how did you feel running out? Like, was like I can only compare it. Like when I had my first netball game, for the first three minutes, I couldn't breathe because I was just so excited. <laughs> did you have anything like that? Oh no! It just felt like a normal game once I was out there. It was just like cool. I so just get to play footy. Be. Yeah, it was just like I've just been waiting for this moment for for years now, and then it just felt like yep, just playing footy, just do try and do what I know. So yeah, was, yeah. And you swing from the back line to the mids. Wouldn't surprise me if we see you in the forward line. Like, you can play absolutely anywhere. Do you have a favourite position? Um, I still can't really pick between back and mid. Probably mid just because, like, a bit more, um, like, you can. I feel like I can take more risk in the mid, but we do get to take risk in the back line too, so it's sort of a bit of... What do you mean by risk? Oh, just, like, I love going head over the ball. Like, I love just... Crash in the pack. See, I don't call that risk. So. I just call that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funnest thing in footy, Brady. A midfielder. Because <laughs> I will stay away from that. You can do that any day. No, nah, love, love contested footy. It's the best kind of footy. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're crazy. And you're one of our Jet fittest players in the team. Um, I'm excited to see you run a 2K against Rowie. <laughs> Because um, I feel like you're just going to knock her out this time. Oh, like not, I don't. Th- I reckon Rowie's going to have the edge still. Oh, but I'll catch her one day, one day, one day. I don't think so. I do not <laughs> think so. Um, you, you've talked to me about um, working at go karts before, and I think it sounds really exciting and fun because, in my mind, you get to ride a go kart every day. But you said that you have to like one in a week you're running like 100 kilometres because mm. if you have to run the track to pick up different things. Yeah. Is that why you're so fit? Um, I don't think that actually really helps with fitness. It tends to be kind of useless running because it's a lot of shuttles and it is a lot of walking as well. So it's not 100Ks of just running um, and that's footy plus work. So it's probably 40K at footy and then 60 to 80K work depending on the hours. But um, I don't think that really probably contributes. It just tends to be you run just enough to be like, okay, and they have to stop 
and then you've got to walk somewhere and then you've got to do another run. So it's, I don't know if that really helps. It was a lot of off-season running, program running. Yeah. Well, I would claim the go-kart running <laughs> if I could, but you being our elite athlete. I'll start tracking it. Yeah, well, I would. I'd be putting it in like AMS and making sure everyone knows what I'm doing. Um, but you, from Giants to Collingwood, you when you first came, you said you had you changed a lot, like, your mental side about running was mm. a big thing. How, was that something because you've gone from not playing and then wanting to really play? Was that Did you think that your fitness was a weakness at that point? It, it definitely was. So when I started at Giants and we did our 2K time trial, which was on uh, my 20th birthday, so it was almost – it was just over two years ago, I ran over nine minutes. Like, I ran 9.02, which is – like, <laughs> it's not it's not a terrible time, but it put me in the bottom bottom running group. Um, and I was sort of thinking like fitness is it controllable? Yeah. Like a real like if I if I practice it, I will definitely get better. Whereas there's other things that I was like I practice it, practice it, and really struggle to get better. But I was like I know this is something that I can just work on and will get better. And so it just felt like and then having that off season where I couldn't play, um, couldn't do heaps of skills. I could run so that was a weakness that I could easily improve so it was sort of I knew I had other things I need to work on but it was just something that I could just I know that it was just more of a mental just do it and get better at it and it made that's probably like the biggest like step forward I made in my career would yeah. be just getting fit and then it improves your skills because all of a sudden I was getting to training and could train and not be under fatigue the whole time so it was just and did you just run or was like a, a running program in place um I didn't really have a running program because I was delisted so it was basically just I was trying to keep it interesting and had lots of bike and lots of running sessions that I would just make up and do what I felt like doing some long runs and just try and change up the lo location to make it interesting but um no, it was sort of freestyle. Didn't really know what I was doing. I hope for the best. So. Well, it definitely <laughs> paid. Last off season, we had programs. So that yeah, was, and, and that how was did you feel? Like we we had a home, we had a program this year. Mm. Was it better or worse having a program in place because it was so structured? Are you someone that's structured, or do you just like? Um, no, I like the structure. So I didn't necessarily stick to the program. I sort of based what I was doing off of it and maybe added some bits or put in an extra session here or there. Um, but I liked having having that base to look at and give me ideas. And But I was just so much more motivated this offseason knowing that I've got a contract to walk back to, like I'm already signed. It was like I know I'm doing this to then go and have another season. So it was just sort of such a different offseason that it's hard to compare that to my, my last one for, yeah. for me. It's a bit, yeah. And so how long are we talking for? Like, how long would you run for? Um, oh, they really varied. I think my shorter sessions were, like, the anything speed was anywhere from sort of five to seven, and my longest ones were 12 to, I think, the longest one was, like, 17, which was a bit longer than I I just miscalculated <laughs> yeah, that, and nuts. I wanted it to be so about 12. So if you're running at, like, 12 to 17 Ks, <laughs> are you thinking, like, what, this is where I struggle, because <laughs> I, like, my brain just goes, like, 100 miles an hour, like, I'm such a speed power athlete, anything long distance, no thank you, I'll do it, but... I just don't like it. Um, it's a massive mental game for me. When you're running, are you switching off or are you like, oh, I'm going to do this today? Like, or uh, are you singing a song in your head? Like, that's a long way. Uh, yeah, uh, they were all interval stuff. You, like, so, <laughs> well, I was, where I was running at my parents' place, I don't think I'd see a house yeah. the whole time, but there's lots of animals, lots of farms, so it was pretty 
it's like a really nice place to sort of be out and outside and running in that. Um, but they were all interval sessions. So I think they were still, I was running at a high enough intensity. I was just trying to not die like f- for the most of the session. So that's quite all that was going through my head was right, 30 more seconds and then you get a minute. So they seemed to go quicker than, I sort of look at my watch afterwards and go, wow, that was an hour and a half. Yeah. But at the time, it's just sort of little blocks, little blocks. And I don't even know what I think about, to be honest. Now that yeah. you've asked, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> like... Elevating music. Random question, and this blows my mind. How do you play with your hair out? So I, like, if there is hair touching my neck while I'm playing, I am like... So you don't want to see photos of my first season then. I had significantly more hair and still wore it down and it was just everywhere. <laughs> so I think just this is comparatively a lot less to what it, what it was. It doesn't bother me. So just like, don't tie it up? Yeah, I did, um, like, for a couple of years there. you the headband. <laughs> I'm still not convinced. I still don't know if I like it or not, but I've really committed to it, so. <laughs> no, I think uh, I did play for a couple of seasons with my hair tied up, but uh, that was another thing with, like, the shoulder up, is you need two hands to tie your hair up. So I was just yeah. like, well, I can't reach your back for six months, so cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's just staying short. As you do. And does your sister have short hair? No, she's got long hair, so that's right. another so good way to tell us apart, yeah. <laughs> um, last question. Um, what makes you want to be a better footballer? What's your drive? I just love playing footy. So I'm just like, I just always want to, always have wanted to just be better. But like now that I'm here, it's just like, I just want to be able to consistently try and play games. Like I just want to be good enough to, to earn my spot and to be a real contributor in the team. So it's just... I just want to always keep getting better, just to like play and just play well. Well, I it's think you're doing well. it, Evs. You're a player that I would definitely want on the field because you take out whoever <laughs> you are playing against. And um, that's yeah, why I love having you on the field. I know you've got my back and I know if the ball is on the ground, if you're not there first, you'll definitely be there second <laughs> just as hard. So um, thank you so much for being thank on the you, show Brady. today. You're unbelievable and I'm so excited to see what next year brings. Thanks for having me, Raz. It was yeah, fun. Time, <laughs> Let's go get that unicycle. <laughs> I'm going to be so out of practice though. Yeah, <laughs> it's been it. a while.